0: Welcome to Bible study. This is Nick Rita, your host. I'm very happy to be with you again today and thank you for tuning in. It's always uh, good to open the Bible, particularly when you go through difficult times. It's uh, comforting to know the word of God and to apply it in our life. Today it's a very important topic we are dealing with because Jesus Christ, our Lord, it's inviting us to come to him to seek From him, comfort, wisdom, support, all those things. I'd like to introduce our panel for today. And Helen, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, Nick. It's a delight, absolute delight to be here. And it's warmer weather today.
0: That's wonderful. Joe, good to have you with us.
2: Oh, it's good to be here again. Thank you.
3: Brenton, thank you for being part of this panel. It's always a joy to be part of the panel, Nick, and uh, today's subject is a vitally important one. Ligia, good to have you with us also.
4: Mm, It's a pleasure to study God's word always. Thank you.
0: And Will, thank you for coming with us.
5: Thank you, Nick. I look forward to it, and uh, what a great subject from which to learn today.
0: Len, thank you for uh, being part of this uh, panel. Uh, probably wouldn't be able to do it without you because... uh, you are the one who put together this uh, Bible study, and I pray that you will be able to lead us and to guide
6: us into it. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Nick. And I'm so glad you've um, joined us today, listeners, because I believe what we're talking about today is something that will bring you comfort and good cheer. Last week, we studied a moral breakdown in the life of King David. With lust, he committed adultery with another man's wife. Added to his covetousness and adultery, he authorised murder. It was a sad chapter in the life of the one who was supposed to be the moral example to the people under his rulership. When David was finally confronted about what he had done by the prophet Nathan, he admitted his guilt now I don't know if you realise that Psalm number 51 was written by David after he had committed this terrible crime, and it describes his remorse for the sins that he had committed with a plea to God for forgiveness. His plea and expectation of forgiveness is not based on anything merit he had done but purely because he knew God to be compassionate and a God of love. Like David, we all have sinned. And today we'll see on what grounds we can approach God expecting forgiveness. But before we do this, we're going to invite the Lord to bless each of us, panel and listeners, In prayer, and Helen is going to lead us.
1: Thank you. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, what a delight to look into your word and see these invitations that you're giving to us right now. You are just awesome, Father. You are the creator, the God, the king of the universe, and yet you come to us each one, and you call us to come to you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the invitation that comes through the word. We thank you for your promises that you always keep. We thank you for being our Lord and our saviour. Please bless each person, not only on the panel, but each person that is listening today. Touch their hearts mightily, Father, that um, the realisation that we can come as we are and you will be the one to change us. May we be changed into your likeness. May we experience the peace that you want to give us. And, Father, touch hearts everywhere, I pray, in the loving name of Jesus. Amen.
6: Amen. Now, it's quite obvious after King David had committed these terrible crimes that um, he was very troubled. And I know many people are troubled. But what does it mean to be restless?
3: I think there's a number of um, issues, uh, Len, that deal with the issue of restlessness. You can't um, actually narrow it down to just one. Some of them are things like sin, guilt, overwork, stress, loneliness, separation, unhappy relationships. Um, Can I suggest that another source of restlessness for many people is unfulfilled ambitions, uh, maybe unrealistic expectations, But it's interesting that um, the Bible actually has a comment on this, and I'm going to read it. It's found in Isaiah 57, and it's verse 20. But those who still reject me are like the restless sea, which is never still, but continually churns up mud and dirt. There is no peace for the wicked, says my God. Now, we use this term jocularly, I believe in conversation often these days when someone says, how are you going? And you say, I'm flat out busy. There's no rest for the wicked. Everybody laughs about it. But in actual fact, it's a biblical comment. And I believe the restlessness comes ultimately then from our relationship with God not being the way that it should be. If the relationship with God, I believe, is strong, I believe a lot of these issues that we've just touched on briefly, sin, guilt, overwork, stress, loneliness, etc a lot of these will sort of fall into place. They won't necessarily go away, but they'll fall into place because our relationship with the Lord is right. And because our relationship with the Lord is right, these things will then take their correct order, um, if you will, um, in our lives. And I believe that that's the way to take away the restlessness replace it with rest, is to have a right relationship with God. The problem is with many
6: people, we have this restlessness, dissatisfaction, feel unsettled, but the Bible actually gives the answer and you've partly answered it, Brenton. What is that answer? It's found in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30.
2: Yes, it actually gives us the answer to our restlessness. And Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, these few texts are just loaded with gems, and one particular one, is that Jesus being the invitee, he invites all of us um, it 's open to all there are no exclusions, no prerequisites it doesn 't say uh, come if come to me if you 're handsome or pretty or if you 've had a good life, if you 're wealthy, if you can speak English, and there are no English tests, so it 's open to everybody and um, another accompanying text for that would be romans five eight It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's all being done for us, and we are invited. Come. That's the invitation.
6: Yes, it's good to realize that we don't have to get ourselves all polished up and ready in order to come to Christ. And we've got that promise um, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we, we don't have to be ready, so to speak. We have to be willing to come. Yes. Now, this is an important thing. Is there any significance in that invitation to come rather than to go?
4: It is a significance. It's a huge significance because it's an open invitation. It's not saying go away to send you away, but invites you to come. But, um, so, uh, in this, um, invitation, it's involved our will. So Jesus gives each one of us freedom of choice and he will never coerce with our will and He will not pressure us to come also. He just graciously invites us and He impresses us with His Spirit to come, but coming it's our own choice. Yes. Uh, yeah, to come it means to place our trust and confidence in in His ability to lift the burden and we come in faith believing that He is greater than the problem and larger than the difficulty, and bigger uh, than the challenge.
6: Yes, go as an order, come as an invitation. Brentman, what did you want
3: to add here? Um, I, I believe uh, what Lydia has said is right to the point, Lynn. Um, I think also the word come suggests to me that in Christ uh, issuing this invitation, he's saying, come to me because I know what your problem is. If you come to me, I will give you the solution to your problem. But I'm inviting you to come. Now, if I say come to me because I've got such and such and such and such, you would say, yeah, that's fine. But here Christ is really, I think, saying I am not only the one that will give you rest. Um, You could almost say I am your diagnostic doctor. I know what your problem is. I know the cause of your restlessness. And if you come to me, as opposed to go, as you said, if you come to me, the word come uh, by Christ asking us to come to him if we're weary and heavy laden and he will give us rest, it suggests to me that Christ knows what our problem is. It's a bit like going to a doctor. You give him your symptoms and he says, I think I know what your problem is. You need to do this, this, this and this. So the come is, is much more important than the go because he's inviting us by saying I really am the only one who knows how to fix your problem. If you come to me, I will not only <laughs> help you with the uh, symptoms, I will take away the symptoms and uh, I will restore you. I think that's very encouraging for us. Yes, it's good we have a God who really cares
6: well.
5: I think that we should realize that each one of us carry burdens, even sometimes unknowingly, and that Jesus looks at the heart and realizes that uh, what it, what our need really is. And he invites us to come to him. I was interested in a statement of, by the Lutheran church themselves about their, their founder, Martin Luther, who carried burdens. It says here... While hailed as a champion of the faith, Martin Luther was often filled with doubt and struggled through his life with depression. He didn't have his life together before he answered God's call to work to the work set out before him. He also didn't pretend otherwise. His friends and colleagues and family members write about his surliness and bouts with dark depression. Their accounts point to the fact that Luther lived honestly and authentically with his own challenging issues. We can learn from Luther to do the same, as we strive to rightly remember that our modern churches aren't museums for perfectly saintly people. They're hospitals for the sinliest amongst us. Our communities of faith transform our sin and our sickness into vocational calls that glorify God and bring a bit of his kingdom to a hurting world. Jesus Christ invites the world, even those that don't realize how deep their problem is, to come to him. And you know, before we can come to unload our burdens, we need to understand that we cannot carry them alone. In fact, most of us will not come unless we have recognized our true condition. And Jesus' invitation is need-based. He understands our need. And uh, that statement it begins with the imperative. Come. It's not option- optional. Come represents a precondition of finding rest.
6: Yes, the reason we come, of course is because we realise that um, he is willing to take our burdens on. And I suspect some of us here have some burdens that we're dealing with, maybe short-term or long-term. And I'm going to give you some opportunity, panel members, if you're willing to share a burden, don't make it too long, and just tell us what you've done about it. Well, I'll start the ball rolling. We have some children who I believe are not ready to meet Jesus to come. And that's a burden for myself and my wife. And we pray about our children every single day because we look forward to them accepting the sacrifice that was made for them too. Uh, we come with our burdens, but they haven't yet come to him. Anybody else? Yes, Helen?
1: Yeah, I think you're right in what you're saying, Lynn, that we all have burdens that we carry. And um, I, I'm just so glad we have a saviour who will take on those burdens from us. One of my burdens that I carry with me every day is that I haven't seen my younger son for 24 years. And um, it, that weighs heavy on my heart. But at the same token, knowing that I can come to Christ and I know that whether he chooses God or not, he has that companion that God is there. And God answers prayer. He won't force anybody, but I've had to leave my son in the arms of the Lord and just hope and pray and continue to pray to God, look after him. It's my daily burden. But, yeah, I bear that only because Christ gets me through.
3: Yes. Brenton? One of the key burdens I bear, I guess, <clears throat> Len as a minister is helping other people to not just know Jesus, but to recognise the times in which we live and how close it is to his return. I was only talking about this with some of our church members at Narrow yesterday, and we all have a real burden for people that we're working with and praying for, that they come to understand the seriousness of uh, the times in which we live it's a burden, again, that we have to leave with Jesus. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict them as to the time that they need to give themselves in full surrender to him.
5: All right. Thank you. Well, I'd like to appeal to those who are carrying the burden of illness. It yeah. can be really depressing and difficult. Um, we all realise that there is really only one solution, and that is laying it at uh, Jesus' feet and
6: asking him to help us. A burden shared is a burden halved. Yeah. To carry it all by ourselves, bottled up inside, doesn't really help. But we need to share. And the best one to share it with, of course, is Christ. So when we come to Christ, Helen, with what expectation do we come?
1: Well, I guess that depends as to what part of the journey people are on. I come with an expectation because of my knowledge of God and Christ and the Holy Spirit, and I believe in in what they say. I trust them, and I know that um, they have our best interest at heart. But there are some that may be like Peter that was out on the water walking and kept his eyes on the Lord. But as soon as he took his eyes off the Lord. What did he yell? Help me. And Jesus was there. So that's one expectation. That as he went down into that water. He, he knew that Christ would help him. No, help me. And that was his cry. And I believe that as we come to Jesus. And as we know him more. We will see in him. A loving spirit. That wants to help us. Wants to give us Rest. And that to me is so, so important. I think we all um, get weary on our journey, but we come with the expectation that he said. He invited us to come, really. And if he invites us to come and we take him up on that, he will have a plan for us. But in coming to him, we need to surrender all our, our burdens to him. He will definitely give us rest. My expectation is to know that whatever I pray for, if it's according to his will and for someone else or something in my life, that he will meet my need in the way that is best for me or the person that I'm praying for.
6: Yes, we come with that expectation that he can and will help us.
1: I just wanted to add if I may sorry Lynn I should have spoken about this earlier I was thinking of that word come and um yeah come you know you when you think about it it has many many meanings and for example you know you could get an invitation from someone to go to point a to point b and we or we can receive a message from a good friend saying come come to um my birthday party things like that and you know that physically that would require movement you know we need to go from point a to point b we need to leave home and a simple come can mean action but at the same time it means physically coming our presence will make that event a success. They think that, otherwise they wouldn't invite us. It tells us that we're wanted and we're appreciated. And and I believe that's, that's a part of come that Jesus is doing as well. There's a come when you demand it. You tell the dog to come, and that's more of a demand. But Jesus is saying, come, come to me. And I think the word come is multifaceted. We could spend a long time even just discussing that one word.
6: Yeah. All right, from this passage that Joe read earlier, um, Brenton, there's a little bit that I would like us to focus on. It's in Matthew eleven twenty nine, And would you like to take this up here, Brenton?
3: Yes, sure. Joe read the verse, but I can read it again if you like. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Um, this is actually allied to um, verse 28 where he's inviting us to come with our burdens. He's um, stating in there that he knows that we carry heavy burdens and we've already elaborated as a panel on what some of those burdens are. But in verse 28 he talks about a yoke. Now anybody who knows what a yoke is mean knows that a yoke is something that is placed generally on the neck of animals in order that the load that they carry or are dragging is carried equally, distributed equally. Now, when Christ invites us to come and uh, take his yoke upon us and learn of me, can I suggest to you that the yoke that um, Christ is asking us to take is the yoke of service, outreach to others. It also involves um, obedience to God's law. And I believe that the learn of me part, we skip over this rather blithely when we read this text. We have a lot of learning to do. What does it mean to learn to carry Christ's yoke? What he's saying there is that I will carry, help you carry the load. If you will come to me, I will help you carry the load. We will walk together. We will do this together. But you need to learn that my methods and my modus operandi, if you will, is very different from yours. I think that's where the teaching bit comes in, Len. Uh, Learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, because then it gives the qualifications that are needed for learning it. All right.
6: Well, I've got a personal picture in my mind of this yoke. Before I tell you that, Nick's going to share something. Oh, I hope I will,
0: I'm not going to, to steal your thunder, you know. What I was going to say in regard to the yoke is that uh, from a farmer background, as uh, Branton said, yoke indeed can be used to equalize, you know, to pull together uh, on the same load. But also, and here probably it's the difference, the yoke is there to train, to train yeah. Uh, other animals, you know, to, to put together. And the other animal, the younger one, will never do it like the, the one which is already trained. And that's where Jesus is inviting us. His yoke, take my yoke, you know, because I'm carrying it. If you want to come with me, you will be trained. I mean, you'll be helped. You'll, I will help you out. And we can learn um,
6: this lesson from that uh, um, story with the yoke. Well, my personal picture is a bit more like this. I I see in my mind's eye a Chinese road worker with a wooden yoke that fits around his neck and across his shoulders, and um, there are ropes at each end and there is baskets filled with rocks. And Jesus approaches and offers his yoke. And that's only holding a couple of delicious mangoes. And he says, Swap. You have mine, I'll take yours. Now, two of the words Christ uses in this particular text are take and learn. So, what is there to learn from Christ, Joe?
2: What we learn from this that Jesus says is, My yoke is easy and this is in direct contrast to the burdens that the pharisees had laid on the people um i know that there are like there were like 600 different regulations uh surrounding you know what qualified as working on or resting on the sabbath and the people were quite severely burdened by this not knowing what to do um you know always afraid of doing the wrong thing uh, we know that Jesus once wanted us and he wanted them to experience the fullness of his grace. So he didn't want us to be weighed down with unnecessary regulations and miss out on his grace and mercy. Uh, my my yoke is easy, could probably be said as my service or burden is easy. So we need to throw off the shackles of human expectation and follow Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean that there is no yoke, Um, you know, in following Jesus. Um, there is, there are, you know, we will have to take on some responsibility. Um, he's not offering us freedom from commitment. Um, his yoke is still a yoke. It comes with demands from a holy God. And so we are required to obey him. But we also know in 1st John 5 3 that, um, when we love God, they are not burdensome. And, and, um, this is just a thought. So when God, When Jesus says, "My burden is light or my yoke is um, easy it 's actually saying i 'm not putting weighing you down with unnecessary expectations to qualify to some sort of human standard. I want you to be real, I want you to be real in your faith, follow me, and I will teach you i will I will be there with you, carrying that burden. I will be joined with you in that yoke, and I will take the heavier load." and just follow me and be faithful. I think that's what the invitation is, um, is to throw out the expectations of humans and the burdens that they lay on us um, with their interpretations and follow him and only him.
6: Of course, the yoke of sin is a very heavy burden, as um, as David found out. Len,
0: just before you move on uh, here, because I think even before I try to say something about the yoke, I'm not sure in the Bible it's if it says that we have a yoke. I believe it says that we have burdens and all other things. The yoke which Jesus is offering, it's very significant here because that's where Jesus is inviting us to join with him. He will carry the yoke. It's not that we will carry the yoke. We are joined In Jesus yoke because before in that passage which we just read it says come to me all of you who are heavy laden which uh, you have burdens you have carry all sorts of things I don't think so we have a yoke you know Uh, we have all sorts of burdens all sorts of uh, struggles and Jesus is inviting us to take his yoke which is prepared he's carrying it and through that yoke we'll be joined with him and will not feel the Lord, will not feel that burden, because
6: he's carrying it for us. That's a good point. Lydia, I think you've got something very special to share with us.
4: Yes, I would like to present you a picture now. Um, According to Barclay, it says that God's words, Christ's words, my yoke is easy... It means that, uh, in Greek, it means crestos, which can mean well-fitting. Now, there is a picture here which I want to uh, be observed by us. In Palestine, ox yokes were made of wood. The ox was brought and the measurements were taken. The yoke was then roughed out and the ox was brought back to have the yoke tried on. The yoke was then carefully adjusted so that it would fit well and would not gall the neck of the patient beast. So the yoke was tailored made to fit the ox. Now, do you think that Jesus made yokes in the carpenter shop of Nazareth? Barclay says that, there is a legend that Jesus made the best ox yokes in all Galilee and that from all over the country men came to him to buy the best yokes that skill could make. Can you imagine a sign above the door of Jesus' carpenter's shop that reads something like this, the best yokes in all the Galilee made here? So Jesus' invitation of his yoke is for entering into submission to him to the kingdom to the yoke of the law the yoke of the commandments the yoke of his kingdom the yoke of god to take christ's yoke is to submit to his will now being yoked with jesus emphasizes obedience and commitment to follow in his footsteps and to participate in his mission while we cannot hope to add anything to the salvation that Jesus won for us on the cross, we can become His ambassadors and share the good news with those around us.
6: All right, well, thank you for that. Now, if we look at this verse in Matthew 11:29, there's another thing in there that we should take notice of, Helen.
1: Yeah, I I think this whole text is just absolutely beautiful. And I love the way that um, Brenton brought out the fact um, of Jesus saying, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And why? Because he is gentle and he is lowly in heart. And then, of course, the result is rest for your souls. I just find it beautiful to think of Jesus being gentle and humble in heart. I do remember when I was growing up and I had a tumultuous um, upbringing, I do remember that I would go into my room, I was only young, I'd go into my room and I would visualize that Jesus was sitting on the chair because he was very dear to me as a child. And I remember I, I visualized me putting my head on his lap and his hand on my head, very gentle. And to me, when I I read this verse, that comes back to me each time, his gentleness. He's not trying to force anything on us, but he wants us to know that he understands how we feel. And, And in asking us to come, it's not because he wants to be aggressive or austere or exacting. He wants to share himself with us and transform us to be like him he says learn of me and he said do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself you know and and i believe jesus personified that whole whole statement in that he was gentle he was loving he was meek and he didn't does never ever force so to me that's a very very important part of this coming to him. Come to him and you will find that he's not, he doesn't want to push you away. He wants to draw everybody to him and uh, in gentleness and lowliness of heart. He's not trying to literally lord it over us, and yet he is the most wonderful lord that we can have and we will find rest, and it's a beautiful rest.
6: I suppose summarise that would mean come to me because I am approachable. Well, good
5: thought. On that very point of being approachable, I've always wondered, I've been tempted to wonder whether little children in the neighborhood uh, felt a strong inclination to run up to the learned teachers of the law, the uh, scribes and the Pharisees, just to jump into their laps or sit on their knees to feel the comfort of their presence. Uh, Isn't it strange how little ones gravitate to the warm and loving one in a group? just as they irresistibly did in Jesus' company. <clears throat> Jesus proved, well, the little children proved, that Jesus is approachable, as Helen has said, and uh, he invites us with a warmness and a gentleness that we shouldn't uh, despise or shouldn't turn away from.
6: So Jesus is gentle. Um, in fact, when I was a little child I learned to pray, the first... <clears throat> Words I would say is gentle, Jesus, Make meet the <laughs> child, look upon this little child. So, as a child, I recognize that too. But God is also impressed with us in a similar way. Will, would you like to just expound on this a little? Yes,
5: I. God says your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such an elaborate hairstyle or wearing of golden jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in uh, God's sight. Peter here says that um, the secret uh, for our Effectiveness is also a gentle and a quiet spirit.
6: So in reality, how does this work when you're driving along and somebody suddenly cuts you off? (laughs) Do you wind your window down and give them the finger? (laughs) I have to admit that years ago I thought it would be justice for me to give back what they gave. But these days, if somebody does something silly like that, when I'm driving, for example, I think to myself, maybe you've had a bad day. Maybe you're not feeling well. Maybe you've um, had a disagreement with somebody in the family and you're not concentrating. And I just leave it. And I think that comes from the Lord dwelling in my heart. Helen?
1: I'm reminded of a statement that somebody said that whenever you're in that sort of a situation, just you have the thought, well, that's interesting. It's like having a pause between getting angry or not. You know, that's interesting. Just gives you that time to gather yourself together. And, you know, and I agree with you. It's God that changes us. God that changes. Perhaps it would be nice if you actually um bless that person, but mean it when you do.
5: Okay, well. Len, it's a cutting truth that years of teaching and exemplary living by a Christian can be negated and trashed in a single unguarded moment when we let fly our emotions with impatience and anger, especially in the presence of our children. We need to ask God to guard and to guide our emotions and responses so that we can live as humble people. Uh as an example to our children and to others around us.
3: Yes,
6: I think that's very good advice.
3: Brenton? Uh, It's just in regard, Len, to meekness and gentleness that um, we've just discussed. Christ exemplified both of those characteristics. I believe that today we need meekness and gentleness in our own hearts and our own lives. That comes about from having a right relationship with God. When Christ in Matthew 23 talked uh, to the Pharisees and scribes and pronounced the seven woes on them, he ended up by saying, look, your house is left to you desolate. However, I believe he said it with tears in his voice. Our world equates meekness and gentleness um, with weakness and submissiveness. And I believe there is a distinction between the two. The distinction is that for a person who is led by the God and by the Holy Spirit, I believe meekness and gentleness is a quality that others will see. But when it comes to matters of principle, a person who is meek and gentle is also firm. Uh, so there is a place in a person's character for all of those characteristics. I admire greatly people who are meek and gentle in spirit. And uh, I pray for our, our listeners that they too will experience that, just as Jesus said, that I'm meek and gentle in heart and you will learn from me if you come to me. In learning from him, he's going to give us those characteristics that we lack in our own lives, meekness and gentleness.
6: Yes. Now, as we continue to look at Matthew <clears throat> 11, 29, it talks about Christ says, my yoke is easy. Joe, would you like to just expound a little on this?
2: Yes. Uh, the word yoke, Len, yoke, um, yoke and burden, as does burden, have negative connotations, unfortunately, but they are both figurative. Um, what is a burden or a yoke to one person? Is a joy or an opportunity a privilege to another person? Um, It is light, the burden that we bear, if you like, figurative burden, is light because Jesus makes it so. Uh, The godly choices made in life and service based on biblical principles are the best way to follow, even though I might say it's not always a bed of rose petals, as we read in Ephesians. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Hence, if we follow in in the footsteps of Jesus, we will find that our burden is light.
6: Yes, yes. Now, it was uh, mentioned earlier that um, some people made the commandments, God's commandments, a burden. The, The Jews had um, added all these extra rules and regulations, and um, <clears throat> it must have been an absolutely burden just keeping up with all the rules and regulations. But in First John chapter 5 and verse 3, it talks about God's commandments and it makes a comment about them. Helen?
1: Yeah, I find that a very interesting comment too. 1 John 5, verse 3, and I'm, um, yeah, i just like to read it. It says, for this is the love of God um, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, a lot of people today, and I know the Pharisees made them very burdensome in the time of the children of Israel, and I think um It was Joe that mentioned 600 or so rules that they brought into it. You know, serving Christ is no burden to those who love him. You know, I I think when I was first introduced to the Ten Commandments, my
4: first thought was,
1: how does anybody ever keep any of these? (laughs) Because it was never stressed in our home. And then when I realized the very first commandment really covers the whole lot when you think about it, if you love God with all your heart and soul. And then the commandments are not burdensome at all. I don't believe they are. And it's faith that brings us into a loving relationship with God. And love for him leads to love for other Christians and to obedience to his commandments. They are not burdensome. They are practical. You know, they're for the benefit of all of us. Because God loves us so much and he's showing his character through them. So I, I really believe that they were there for our application to help us. But they're certainly not burdensome when you love him. Absolutely not. And, look, if you feel they are burdensome, give it to Jesus and he will certainly lighten your load. But by by keeping the first commandment, it, to me, that if you love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, you will automatically keep the others. Good
6: point. <clears throat> uh, trying to keep the commandments for the sake of trying to keep the commandments to be good is not quite enough, is it, Ledger? We we need to keep the commandments because we are trying to please God. And there's a text there that, um, or a couple of texts in First John five. What do they say? Verses four and five.
4: So it says that his commandments are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So um, we are living in this world that is really messy and uh, an unhappy world people just survive the the situations and the 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 unexpected everyday stress and do we need to conquer the world no really but to conquer the worries and the burdens of the world that takes place and uh, in this way by surrendering our lives to Jesus we conquer the All worries right. of the world
6: it's through Christ that we become the conquerors well, now, the Apostle Paul talks about a yoke of slavery or bondage, Brenton. He Would does you to make a quick comment about this.
3: <laughs> I will then um in galatians five one he talks about the fact that Christ has set us free, and so we don't need to get that tied up again in the slavery to the law. Joe has touched on some aspects of it earlier on. Uh, Basically, Paul says this, he was dealing with a group of Christians who were being affected by Judaizers who told them that in order to be saved, they needed to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. And he points out to them, he says very strongly in verse four, for if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. The warning for us in 2021 is still the same. There are still Christians today who think that God looks favorably upon their good works as part of the package of salvation. What God looks favorably upon is that their good works come from having a saved relationship with him um, rather than the other way around. And I think that's the important issue here. The law cannot save you. Keeping the law cannot save you. God's grace saves you. God's grace enables you, as Helen said earlier on, to be able to keep God's law so that his law becomes a delight. And I think that's wonderful news, not only for ourselves as panel, but also for those who are listening. Yes.
6: Now, there's a text in the Bible that uh, provides the opposite to being laden with burdens, and that's in um, um, John 8.36. What is that, Will?
5: We've just said that, jo- that sin is a yoke of bondage and slavery. And yet John 8.36 says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. By je- taking Jesus' yoke upon us, uh, we find rest, would you believe, for our souls. I would just like to comment that um, I have a favorite hymn called Make Me a Captive, Lord, and which was published under a different title, would you believe, in the beginning, Hope and Aspiration. Making Me a Captive, uh, first published under the title Hope and Aspiration. Captivity and hope seem like total opposites until we understand the invitation of the Saviour. Just listen to the first verse of this hymn. Make me a captive, Lord, and then I shall be free. Force me to render up my sword and I shall conquer a be. I sink in life's alarms when by myself I stand. Imprison me. Within mine arms and strong shall be my hand. There's a lot of antithesis here, but it's the same thing that... Uh, John is talking about in John 8, 36. If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed.
6: I can add amen to that. Now, the final thing is that Jesus said, my burden is light. Well, if it's a burden, how can it be light, Joe?
2: Well, I think we've touched on many of these things already, um, how it is light and why it's But I'd like to read a little quote that I found really beautiful and pertinent to my life, um, which is full of burdens and struggles. And it says, um, you know, we've already mentioned that trying to earn one's own salvation is a heavy burden and a heavy yoke. So that is one of the criteria. You can't do it yourself. But it says, when you find your work hard, when you complain of difficulties and trials, when you say that you have no strength to withstand temptation, or problems in your life, that you cannot overcome impatience and that the Christian life is uphill work. Be sure that you are not bearing the yoke of Christ. You are bearing the yoke of another master.
6: Well said. Well, listeners, compared to being weighed down with sin and its consequences, Jesus gives us relief. As in the case of David, when we confess those sins... And receive forgiveness. A huge load is lifted from our shoulders as we receive forgiveness. And it's then that we can be free. And I'd like to say to you, give your burdens to Jesus. Receive his forgiveness. And you too can enjoy life released from the grip of sin and guilt. We're going to close with prayer. And Will, would you pray for us?
5: We acknowledge, dear Lord, that we tend to unnecessarily load ourselves with burdens that we shouldn't bear. Please give us the grace of laying them aside and taking on the yoke of Christ our Lord. For you have said your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.
0: Yes. Thank you everyone for your participation uh, today. This was a wonderful uh, topic, to hear the invitation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who says, come to me. I'm inviting you to join us again. When we are going to look a little bit more into what that means, when we come to Jesus, it will impact our relationship. And next topic is finding rest in family ties. And we'll follow up with another one which says rest, relationships, and healing, all these things, because Jesus is the center. I'll invite you to receive Jesus in your heart today. Don't uh, hesitate to pray that simple prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, come into my heart. I wish you God's blessings and until next time, keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.
7: Turn my eyes toward heaven And this is what you say What you say, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. If I know every span.